Thank you, Matt. Good morning. Uh, I, I'm so excited to be here this morning. Uh, it's, it looks like a packed house this morning, and, uh, and, I, and I think I know why. Um, I, 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 don't think, I don't think it's because this is the first Sunday after Labor Day, when people are done with their vacations and bringing their kids to college. And, and I don't think it's packed this morning because, uh, because it's a special morning. It's a commissioning Sunday. I think word got out that I was preaching a shorter sermon today. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. I'm going I'm to call you out on this. Uh, I have the impossible task this morning of, uh, of preaching a shorter sermon, which is, which is a very difficult thing to ask of a preacher. But by God's grace, we're going to try. Uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about the future of Park Church. I've been praying a lot about the future of Park Church. And I've been talking with others a lot about the future of Park Church. And as I have been thinking about the future, uh, there's one story in the scriptures that has come to mind again and again and again. It's, it's a story from the book of Acts, chapter 10. And, and there's a story about the Apostle Peter and this really odd vision that he has. And when we come to chapter 10 in the book of Acts, there is, uh, it's a turning point in the history of the church. And in fact, it's a turning point in the history of the world as well, because the church, this small group of marginal Jews, which is what made up the church at that point, they were on the precipice of something huge. They were looking into a future that they didn't quite understand, but what was clear, especially as you continue to read in the book of Acts, is that something massive was about to happen that would enable this small group literally to within a few centuries take over the Roman Empire. And in chapter 10, we find this turning point. And I, I think I, I was drawn to this, this story, uh, not because as a church we're going to take over any empire, uh, but, but because as we look to the future and as we begin discerning what it is that God is calling us to do and to be as we we seek to uniquely bear witness to Jesus in Monmouth County. I, I find ourselves in a bit of a similar place. Now, in order to fully understand this text, this story, you have to know what comes right before it. Acts chapter 10 begins by introducing us to this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew, which means he was a Gentile. And Cornelius was also a centurion. Right? He, he worked for the Roman government, and in fact, he was in charge of a group of volunteer soldiers from Italy known as the Italian Regiment. But, but this guy was odd because he, he lived in Judea, and he also worshipped God, the God of Israel. And he prayed to God, and he gave money to the poor. This is a good dude. This is a, a good man. And, and, and in chapter 10, what we find at one point is that God sends an angel to Cornelius, and my words, my summary, and is basically like, hey, Cornelius, uh, I'm a big fan. Like, I see what you're doing. I hear your prayers. 
and, and I have a job for you. I want you to send three of your men to this guy named Peter who lives in Joppa. Just send three of your men there and bring him back. And that's it. Right? Cornelius was on a need-to-know basis. And it's at this point, then, that we pick up our story for this morning. This is Acts chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through 23. This is God's word for God's world. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with him, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. God's word for God's world. Pray with me. Father, you are so faithful. We are reminded of that on a morning like this. We are reminded of the fact that you have been at work in the history of this church in so many ways, and that you have such good and beautiful things in store for the future of this church. Uh, we ask that you would speak to us this morning, that you would woo us to yourself, that you'd open the ears of our hearts and our minds, and that we would hear from you and be enabled by your spirit to respond faithfully. We would love you too, Father, and we pray in your Son's name and by your spirit. Amen. So, so as I said earlier, in this point in the story, God is about to do something massive, something very big. You see, up until this point in the history of the church, the the church, or the, the, the Christians, or at this point what really would have just looked like this small sect of marginal Jews, was made up of Jews for Jews. And, and what God is about to do is reveal that his salvation is not just for Jews, but for the whole world. Jews and 
Gentiles. What God is about to reveal through Peter is that you don't have to become Jewish to get to God. You just have to go through Jesus. Right? And this, this was going to radically change the church, but also the world, if you continue reading through the book of Acts. But there's one, in, there's one observation in this story that, that just sinks into my heart, that I can't, I can't get out of my mind. And it's this. Did you notice that when the Spirit of God tells Peter to go with these men, He's inviting Peter to participate in something that he'd already been up to. Completely disconnected from Peter. Like, God was like a master chess player, moving the pieces around. And then he invited Peter to to basically just get involved with what he was already doing. God wasn't sitting around waiting for Peter to show up. No, God was working hard. God was at work, and he's like, hey, Peter, why don't you join in on the fun? And here's the big idea for this morning. Faithfully following Jesus, and I think this applies perfectly to our church. Like, faithfully following Jesus involves responding to the Holy Spirit's invitation to join him in his mission. And it's a mission that he's already at work in. God, through his spirit, is at work all around us in ways that we do not even see, in ways that we do not even understand. And yet he's at work. He's working in people's hearts. Even this morning, right now, he's working in hearts, drawing people to himself. There are people in Monmouth County, neighbors, co-workers, family members whom God is working on. He's stirring their hearts. He's drawing them to himself. There are people who will be sitting in these chairs in Sundays to come, who will be joining us in our community groups, whom we have never met, and yet God is at work. And the question is, how might we, as a community of Jesus followers, attune our hearts and our minds to what God is already up to? So that, so that when we discern, oh, wow, look what God's doing, we, we're ready to jump in. We are ready to join God in the work that he's already doing. But here, here's what I'd like to say this morning. Just two, two things. If we are going to, as a church family, if we are going to join God in the work that he's already doing, it's going to require two things. Things that I see Peter doing. The first thing that's going to require is prayer. It's going to require prayer. In verse 9, Acts says this, verse 9, About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Now, God can speak to anyone any way he wants, whenever he wants. God is not bound by what we do. If he wants to get someone's attention, he will get their attention. That's clear as we read the Bible. And, And yet I don't think it's a coincidence that God spoke to Peter, that he gave him this vision while Peter was praying. If we are to discern what God is up to, if we are to be attentive to the countless ways he's planting seeds around us, 
working in people's hearts, moving the chess pieces around for the sake of his kingdom, then we will have to pray. We will have to seek him as a church family. And when we do this, when we pray, and I, and I, don't, mean, and I don't mean simply pray in, in the way that we use a parachute. You know what parachute prayer is, right? It's when we, you know, we pray only when we're really in a bind, and it's like, all right, God. But, but I mean, when we pray, when we allow the, just talking with God, daily conversation with God to be woven in to our daily rhythms and habits, and we begin asking him questions like, God, what are you up to around us? He will show up. He will show up in ways that we do not anticipate. I, I, several years ago, I was, of course, in a coffee shop. It seems like all my God moments are like in coffee shops. And I'm not even like a big coffee person. I'm just a social drinker. But I, that, that was my office. <laughs> that was my office at the time was coffee shops. And I found myself one day preparing for a sermon in a coffee shop. And, uh, and I'm sitting down reading my Bible, and there are two women sitting next to me. And you know when you're in a public place, and, uh, and there are people next to you, and their volume level's a little higher than probably it should be, and you're trying so hard not to listen. Especially when it's like, oh, this is kind of a sensitive topic they're talking about. Uh, and you're trying really hard not to listen, but you, it's, you just can't not, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like you're trying to eavesdrop. It's not like I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like I was trying to focus really hard, but they were talking so loud. And, uh, and so I, I was going in and out of hearing bits of their conversation. And what I caught was that one of these women was in some way a person of faith. She was connected to a local church, which I actually, I knew the church. And she was struggling with her faith. She was in a particularly dark season in her life, and, and she was just sharing with this other woman just this, this struggle and these questions that she has and, uh, and just wanting someone just to be able to process with and talk through. And, and the pastor in me wanted to be like, excuse me, <laughs> hi. Uh, and, and, but that would have been weird, right? If I just, so, so I'm, just, I'm just sitting there trying to focus, and so I, I just start praying. I'm like, okay, God, help me just to focus, like, I'd love to talk with this woman, but I, I don't want to be weird. So, uh, so just help me to focus. And if you, want, if you want there to be a conversation, then open the door. And, and so I'm, I'm going in between like studying and like praying and studying and praying. And, and at one point while I'm praying, uh, I didn't notice the other woman got up and left. And so, so I'm sitting there praying, and then I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I open my eyes, and it's the woman. And I say, hi. And she looks and she says, I, I'm sorry to bother you. Is that a Bible that you're reading? Yes. <laughs> are, you, are you like a pastor or something? Yes. <laughs> and then she gives a sigh of relief. Oh, can I ask you a few questions? Like, I am going through a really difficult time in my life and I would, I just, I would love someone just to talk to. And that's when I said, sorry, lady, I've got to prepare for my sermon. Uh, I'm off the clock, and I, no, no, I was like, of course, right? Of course, and we talked for an hour. And, uh, and, 
and I, I have no idea if that conversation changed her life or what, what God did in that moment, but, but what I do know is that God listens to our prayers and he meets us and he goes before us and prepares work. And if we are to be attentive to what he's inviting us to, we have to be a people who pray. We have to be a people who, who not just before meals or before bed, but, but step into a sort of relationship with him where we're talking to him throughout the day, every day. And a relationship in, when he, in which he's, he's calling us to be attentive to the ways he's working in people's lives so that when opportunities come, we just respond and we join in on the fun that, that he's creating right in front of us. If we're to join God in his mission in Monmouth County, we have to be a people of prayer. But there's a second thing that's required. We have to be a people of prayer, but also we have to be a people with an imagination. We have to have an imagination. So Peter is praying on his roof. And then we're told he gets hungry. And then he falls into this trance and has this weird vision of animals on this sheet being lowered right? Four-footed animals, including reptiles and birds. And these, these are animals that Jews, because of uh, the ceremonial laws listed in the book of Leviticus, that Jews considered unclean. There was probably a pig on that sheet. And, and this may sound weird, but actually this, this seems pretty normal to me. I mean, when I get hungry and I start daydreaming, what do I think about? Bacon. <laughs> right? I mean, this, this is pretty normal, right? So, but, but Peter's here. He has this vision of these animals. And, uh, and this, is, this is what follows next. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Not the most vegan-friendly text in the Bible. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. You see, Peter was an observant Jew, which means he knew the scriptures, and he knew that in Leviticus, very clearly it spelled out, there are certain animals that you are not supposed to eat if you were to be a faithful Jew. And in fact, this was one of the primary reasons why Jews kept their distance from Gentiles. Because if you were to associate with Gentiles, that usually meant sharing meals with them. And Gentiles ate all sorts of food that were considered ceremonially unclean or impure. And so Jews kept their distance. Because if they were to become impure, they could not participate in temple worship. And so there was this massive barrier between the people of God and the people whom God loved so much and wanted to draw near to himself. And Peter did not have the imagination to think of how God might want them in his family. And like, God's telling him, he's like, Peter, you, like, you, you can eat this stuff, it's okay. Like, God is telling them this. And he's like, oh no, no God, like, no, I know the Bible, 
right? And, and here's the deal. Like, the problem with Peter was not that he believed the Bible too much. It was that he failed to let Jesus be the interpretive lens through which he understood the Bible. Because in Mark 7, Jesus declared all food clean, but somehow Peter must have forgotten that, and he clung to these laws that had become so ensconced within his heart that they ended up separating him both from people whom God loved and from God's good, redemptive purposes that he wanted to use Peter to fulfill. Peter lacked the imagination. And God had, to, God had to appear to him in a dream to say, no, 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 no. You've got to imagine something bigger than what you're thinking. C.S. Lewis, in, in his classic book, Mere Christianity, said this. He said, for me, reason is the natural organ of truth. But imagination is the organ of meaning. Imagination is not the cause of truth, but its condition. In other words, if we want to live lives of meaning and purpose, and this is what we all crave, if we want to live lives of meaning and purpose, we have to have the capacity to imagine what could be. We have to exercise our imagination. And the problem is that we too easily get into ruts in life, don't we? I know I do. We, we too easily establish patterns in our lives of, of things simply being not the way they're supposed to be. And we come to just accept that and stop praying about anything that might mean change. And, and we get into these ruts. For some, it truly takes an imagination to consider the possibility that God wants to restore and heal a relationship. Whether that be a, a spouse or a family member or a friend, for some, it, it, it will take an imagination to consider that possibility. I mean, imagine, imagine how God might want to use your home as a place where when people come, they experience the love and generosity of God. Imagine how God might want to use your home to collect, to collect people who have no business coming together, who come from very different worldviews, who look different, and yet, and yet might God want to use your home as a place where these people gather and, and open the scriptures, even people who have no idea what they think about God, but just have a bunch of questions. Imagine how God might want to invite you to start thinking more deeply about what following Jesus seriously could look like in your workplace. Imagine how God might want to use this church as an instrument for love and care and provision for children in Monmouth County who don't have permanent homes. Imagine. Imagine how God might want to continue using this church as he has from day one as a place where skeptics, where people with good questions, who don't know what they think about this God thing, can come and feel utterly welcomed. And not just welcomed, but loved. Imagine. I deeply believe, and I'm wrapping it up, remember? Shorter sermon. I deeply believe that God has good and beautiful things in store for Park Church. I believe that God wants to transform lives in Park Church. And, and this is why. Because for the past month, I've had the privilege of meeting with many of you. 
Many of you I've not yet had the privilege of spending a lot of time with, but I've been having meals, I've been having coffee, uh, and I've been listening. And I've been listening to stories. And, and there's this pattern that I've noticed as I've been listening to people. And the pattern is this. Someone encounters this, this odd community called whether Orb or Park Church, whatever season it happened to be in, and, and said person is, is in, some way, in some way lost, in some way wandering, maybe even burned. And they come to this community, and, and because they've encountered this community of people, something in their heart opens up to receiving the grace of God in a way that transforms them in ways they never dreamt possible. This is a story I hear again and again and again. This is how God has been working throughout the history of this church again and again and again. And here's my question. If this is how God has used this church, why would he want to stop now? Why would he want to stop? Why would he not want to continue in new and fresh ways this incredible ministry of this unique and eclectic group of people bearing witness to Jesus in such a way that when people come, they encounter something different. They encounter something that, that forever leaves a mark on them. They encounter the gospel of Jesus embodied in an imperfect group of people well acquainted with the grace and forgiveness of God. Will you imagine what could be with me? If we are to join God in his mission all around us, it will require prayer and it will require an imagination. And this is what I want to invite everyone to, is a prayerful imagination. Next week we're going to start a new sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be talking about more ways that we as a church family can pray together as we discern what God might be inviting us to. At this time, I want to invite the communion servers to come up. Uh, and so uh, this, this is something we do every week as a church family. Um, and, and we do this every week. We celebrate communion every week because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of God's grace and forgiveness as often as possible. Uh, and so every week we, we come to this table and we, we take a piece of bread and we dip it in juice, and we're reminded of what God has done in Jesus through his broken body and his spilt blood because of his lavish love for the world. And so I, I want to invite you, uh, whatever your story, whatever, if, like, if, if you're here and, and you're, you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter like what denomination, what church you've been a part of, what affiliation, like this is not Park's table. This is the Lord's table, and it's an open table to anyone who would want to draw near to Jesus this morning. And, and if you don't feel comfortable coming to the table this morning, then I want to invite you to, to just pray, pray. Just sit in your seat and talk to God, because he, he wants to speak to you this morning, if, if you're willing to listen. And so how, how we do this, we have instructions on the screen, uh, and, and we start in the front row, and, and, and we invite people to come forward. The, the elements that are in the middle uh, are gluten and allergy-free. 
Uh, and, and we come and we take a piece of bread and we dip it in the juice, which is in the smaller cup, or the wine, which is in the taller cup. And when we do this, we are reminded of who Jesus is and what God has done in and through him for us. And so I'd like to read a passage of scripture this morning and then invite, invite this community to the table. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says this. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Join me at the table this morning. 